Wolf and Luke. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. Well, you heard it right there in Eric Ruby's updates. The Phoenix Suns have... Uh, I think essentially confirmed what most of us uh, believed would be the case. I'm reading from Kellen's Twitter account right now from about 45 minutes ago. He's obviously out there at Suns practice. He said, Monty Williams smiled with a we'll see on media day when it came to Cam Johnson starting, but he referred to Johnson as a starter today. So um, in case any of us were still wondering, and okay. I don't think most of us were, uh, Cam Johnson's going to be part of your starting lineup. And now my question, Wolf, is who's your sixth man? <laughs> because you're going to need more than five guys to win a title this year. Yeah, that is a good question right now. But, you know, let's jump over this hurdle first, shall we? It appears as though it is a fait accompli, based on Ian's yes, indeed. Cam Johnson is going to be a starter. He is going to start at the four. Pretty excited about it. I wonder how Cam Johnson feels about it. He's got to be out of his mind excited. The opportunity is going to be here. This kid has worked his butt off from the first day he showed up here. Yeah. And he's gotten better every day he's been here. And he was a I guy. I respect him for that. That a lot of people were like, okay, wait, what are the Suns doing? What did James Jones oh, trade yeah. around to get oh, this yeah. guy? And James yeah. Jones has been proven right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wonder what his reaction was. I wonder wonder if Monty, uh, what, well, I wonder what DA's reaction was when Monty told him, hey, Cam's going to be starting. <laughs> wait, Monty doesn't talk to DA, so I guess there was no oh, reaction. Okay, you just set yourself up. Well, right you weren't there. doing wanted it. wanted to do that. I did. Um, this is, you felt uh, proud of that. No, I wouldn't. I mean, it wasn't my best work, but you guess sometimes you got to kind of like recalibrate. This is Devin Booker. Yesterday, talking about his coach and teammate, apparently not speaking. Been on top of each other for a long time. I didn't talk to coach much at all this summer either. And the times that I did, he stressed the fact of getting away and having that feeling of, of missing the game, missing your team. And, like you said, you know, it's a long season. We're with each other every day. I think it's time to get away from each other. Um, we're about to spend the next seven months, eight months, right on top of each other every day. I mean, we see each other more than we see see our family. So I think it's always good to get away, get quiet, and, you know, remove yourself from, from this industry and lifestyle. I'm assuming behind the scenes this is resolved by now, or going to be pretty pretty close to resolved, right? I mean, it has to be. We we can't we can't have all season Monty being like, I got to talk to Da. Hey, Devin, can you tell Da this? And then Da's like, Hey, Devin, can you tell Monty this? Like, it can't be like some sitcom from the '90s where so, people are family. You know, mad that's at a each great other. question. <laughs> that's a great question. What if, in fact, he hasn't spoken, to Monty? What if that's still? still the case right now? Can you imagine how funny that? would truly be it'd be kind of uh, hilarious I, no i i honestly you still haven't you still haven't spoke to da no no i i haven't what about when you guys are practicing uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love i love it too when when book right there and listen this is this is book um no teammate wants to be in between a player coach relationship just know that. No teammate wants to be between that. You don't want the triangle. You don't want Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Monty Williams. 
Three points of interest where everyone's in. You don't want CP3 in there either. You don't want the square. About the square, you got four points. You don't want those guys involved. Uh, I think, honestly, this is between Monty Williams and, and DeAndre Ayton. Those two guys, a straight line. That's what you want, and there should be straight line communication. Now, once again, they don't have to address the issue if they don't want to. They don't have to address what happened. They don't have to address it with the media, but they should probably be speaking. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying that, even if they do. But to me, it should be, hey, listen, I'm going to coach you just the way I'd always coach you, period. If I'm Monty Williams right now, that's the approach that I'd be taking if, in fact, I planned this whole thing to see if we couldn't get his attention. I think if I was Monty Williams and I got asked about this again, I would say I'm directing all questions about me and D.A. to Dario Saric. He's going to answer all these. <laughs> Welcome back, Dario. <laughs> Dario's going to be like, what? What's going on? Uh, Monty Williams did talk today, not about D.A. and maybe not to D.A., but he did say that the team is ahead right now of where it was. I think if you talk to our guys, we're so far ahead of where we were even last year. Offensively and defensively, we've been able to add a lot of stuff or, or input a lot of stuff that we already had, and we've been able to push it a bit because guys are familiar. We played more in this camp than any camp I've ever been involved in. I mean, we we played five on five day one. We got after it today. We scrimmaged probably three quarters, if I'm not mistaken. I may have the times off, but we, we scrimmaged a lot. So from that standpoint, it's been been good for us. So, uh, I think guys are going to be in much better shape going into the season because we played a lot. Well, look, Ooh. I would say evolution-wise, just where this team has been over the last couple years and potentially chip on the shoulder-wise, this team should be ahead of schedule. Like, I believe that. I'm not saying should, like, you better be. I'm saying, like, it makes sense. But personnel-wise, you have lost JaVale McGee and you've lost Jay Crowder. It would appear you've lost Jay Crowder. He's technically still on the team. You're going to need to replace one of them. You, you can't tell me that Jock Landale is the answer for everything. Would you be willing to actually play that cut again sure. and stop it when I tell you to stop it? I mean, would now, you now that I know to how to stop that, cuts right now, mid-cut, are, are yeah. you ready so for this? Ready? Okay, ba- Basin Onions, gather around the transistor and listen to every word Monty just said. Okay, here we go. Ready? Ready? Starting now. I think if you talk to our guys, we're so far ahead of where we were even last year. Um, both offensively and defensively, we've been able to add a lot of stuff or, or input a lot of stuff that we already had in. We've been able to push it a bit because guys are familiar. We played more in this camp than any camp I've ever been involved in. I mean, we, we played five on five day one. We got after it today. We scrimmaged. Chop it right there. You went five on five sooner than any time you have before? For three quarters, I think you said, too. You scrimmaged? Um, Why are you doing that, Monty? (laughs) Why are you doing that right there? Did you want to see? Did you want to run this guy out? This is just me. Did you want to run DA out there and see what he's got? Because right now, if if you're trying to reach him, I can promise you right now, if in fact the Suns were trying to reach DeAndre Ayton, if, if this is all as I I wonder about, Basinonians, a way to reach DeAndre Ayton, a way to focus DeAndre Ayton, 
you know what? You you want to see how it's going, I'm sure, if this, in fact, is what you've been after this whole time. So why don't we go out there and go five on five? And, and by the way, it's live. Let's scrimmage. Just so if we can see DeAndre Ayton angry. Let's see what this does. Well, the other thing is, too, you only have so much time to prepare for the Adelaide 36ers. And based on what I'm hearing from practice here, Adelaide doesn't know what's coming. Monty's running them out there for, for three quarters of I'm scrimmage. I'm just saying, if I, if I honestly, if I was Monty Williams right now, I couldn't wait to get out there and actually scrimmage five on five. I couldn't wait to do it, man. Just to see if maybe there was you know, a little hope. If this works, if your theory's right, and, and this ends up working... I mean, he's not going to be able to not talk to D.A. all season, but maybe you can like kind of train D.A. where if we start to get into like a stretch where, hey, D.A.'s kind of like he's kind of going back to old D.A. for a little bit and he's not seeing that intensity. Monty can just not talk to him for a day and it'll just like trigger this sort of I can show him better than I tell him, D.A. This is a last ditch effort to take the chip off the shoulder and bury it in the heart of D.A., in my opinion. Coming up next, we're going to help you set your fantasy football lineups with our fantasy reality check. It is the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke present Fantasy Reality Check, where fantasy football gets a reality check from 10-year NFL fullback, four-time pro bowler Ron Wolfley. All right, Wolf, the football weekend is here. Week four officially begins tonight. Dolphins, Bengals, it's time for a fantasy reality check. And just to set the uh, tone for everybody, just to remind everybody, Wolf, how many fantasy football leagues are you in? Zero. Okay. All right. How many I'm so you... grateful for being in zero leagues. How many have you been in total in your life that um, we didn't force you to? Well, zero. Yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> we forced you to be in at least one, maybe two, here at the station over the years. And I remember being at your first ever draft and in the second round, I don't remember which defense you took, but you took a defense. And everybody's like, no, no, Wolf, we usually take the defenses later. And you're like, why? Defenses are just as important as quarterbacks. And then you proceeded to take like four defenses. What's your point? And judging by the look on your face, you would do it again. I just, seriously, <laughs> you're going to bring that up? Yes. I don't know how to play fantasy no, football. Hey, I don't care. I thought that that was, I think I still have that draft board. I'm going to bring that in next week. Somebody gave me that draft board. There's a lot of people out there that do like fantasy football. All right, so let's let's start with the game tonight. We're just going to go through some of the most fantasy-relevant games heading into week four. Dolphins, Bengals, and let's just start, Wolf. How do you think this game may play out? Not who's going to win, but just what, what do you expect in terms of game flow between these two teams? Short week and uh, a desperate Cincinnati team, not a desperate Miami team. Yeah, you know, I honestly, Luke, for the most part, I would expect to see the Cincinnati Bengals come out and try to be able to pound the football, run the football. Um, they have to be able to protect Joe Burrow, and the only way to do that is to run the ball. Right now, their interception rate is number 24. It's in the bottom third of the league. Their sacks per attempt, their 30th. There's only two teams in the league worse in terms of giving up sacks than the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. They have not fixed the problem from last year, which is mind-numbing to me. they got to come out and try to be balanced and run the ball, but the... 
the Dolphins, you know, are going to come out. They're going to try to chuck it yep. because they want Joe Burrow and the Bengals to be one-dimensional because then they can get them. Well, after I laughed at you for taking so many defenses, I'm going to start with a defense here if you're looking for a defense this week. It feels weird to take or pick one up and play them against the defending AFC champs, but Wolf, you just hit the nail on the head. Sacks are like the most consistent thing you can look for from a fantasy defense, and they are playing a team that doesn't protect their quarterback. So Miami's defense in this one might be a good one. Uh, Tua Tua is interesting because in a lot of leagues he wasn't even drafted. If you have him, he's probably your backup. Like I said a couple segments ago, I'm nervous about a guy who has a back injury at any position in any sport, let alone quarterback. But man, he's got weapons this year. To a certain extent, you don't have to be amazing. Even if you don't believe in Tua necessarily as a truly elite quarterback, he's got Tyree Kill and he's got Jalen Waddle. He's going to put up points every time he's out there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. The Miami Dolphins. The one thing I am a little disappointed in in regard to their offense, although they are explosive when it comes to throwing the ball with Tua. They're not running the ball nearly as well as what I thought they were going to try to do or actually be under Mike McDaniel. They're not running the ball very well. As a matter of fact, they're one of the worst teams in the league at running the ball. But I guess when you got Tua and you got Tyreek and you got Jalen Waddle, yeah, you know what? You're going to throw it. And that's what they've done really well. All right, another game that is uh, honestly outside of the Cardinals game, the one I'm the most interested in this weekend. And I don't even know how I feel about myself saying that. But Jacksonville, Philadelphia, not just for the pure entertainment factor of a 2-1 and team and a 3-0 and team. Trevor Lawrence has shown he can support multiple receivers in terms of fantasy football, Wolf, but how about Christian Kirk? Remember Christian Kirk? Six. I do. Among all NFL receivers in terms of fantasy points this season, one point in standard scoring behind Tyreek Hill. Like, they are using Christian Kirk like a guy they paid a lot of money to. They went out there, they, they probably overpaid for him, but they've made him a focal point of their offense, and he so far has responded to all three weeks. Yeah, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be great to watch this game. It truly is. Um, Christian Kirk, I'm so happy for him. I really am. This is a guy that always was a class act when he was here with the Arizona Cardinals, and although there's no way the Arizona Cardinals could compete with what Christian Kirk got from the Jacks Jacksonville Jaguars, man, he's going out and earning his salary. That is awesome to see. I'm really happy for him. This game overall, surprise! (laughs) The Jacksonville Jaguars are better than I thought they were going to be, and the Eagles are better than I thought they were going to be. I just think this is going to be a fun game to watch across the board, too. James Robinson, I know he's not out there in fantasy leagues, but he's he's basically Jacksonville's running back. Everybody went out and grabbed Travis Etienne. James Robinson is uh, is certainly their guy. Chiefs, Buck Years. Here's a here's quite the stat for you, Wolf. In terms of fantasy scoring, Tom Brady ranks 28th among quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Like Tampa Bay has had injuries, they're not throwing the ball a ton. But for Tom Brady to be 28th, and let me just put that in context. I'm trying to find some of the other quarterbacks around him uh, in scoring. Yeah, he's down there, you know, below the Daniel Jones of the world. Not uh, not necessarily what you'd expect from Brady. I'm assuming that changes a little bit once they start getting actual players back for him to throw to. But Brady right now has one more point this season than Davis Mills and four more than Justin Fields. Wow. 
That's Tom Brady. Man, that is incredible right there in Tampa Bay as well. If they want to come out and win this game or be in this game, they've got to run the ball. They have to do it. They have to run the ball well. They're all beat up. They're missing a lot of guys out on the edge. They have to take this game over on the line of scrimmage. And it's going to be interesting because that's the area I think the Kansas City Chiefs have really improved the most. Um, They're actually number nine in terms of rushing yards per game allowed and number five in rushing yards per play allowed. That tells me they're doing well. They're so much behind that rushing yards per play base and audience. They're tackling well. Their gap integrity has been great. They're not getting blown up on the line of scrimmage. And that's something that always has plagued the Chiefs in the past. They're much better on the line of scrimmage and in the box. Patrick Mahomes offensively, too. He, he apologized to everybody before the start of the season because then he'll have Tyreek Hill, and he's like, expect me to spread the ball around in terms of receivers. Here's their receiver fantasy scoring so far this season. Juju has uh, 22 points. McCole Hardman has 15. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who I thought would be better, has 15. Justin Watson has 12. So basically, they have not established a true go-to guy in the in, outside of Travis Kelsey among receivers in Kansas City. Yeah, what's Travis Kelsey for points? Okay, I should have never 22 asked for uh, Kelsey has 46. Whoa, so, so he's still he's the dude. Fine. Yeah, he's <laughs> the dude. He is a, and, and as it turns out, the actual dude through the first three weeks is in our next game. Bills-Ravens, Lamar Jackson leading everybody with 104 fantasy points this season. And I was just talking to Gatos out there earlier. because We're going to have Gatos on here at some point, I think. He, he loves no, to not. tell you about his fantasy football team. Wolf, it's my favorite thing in the newsroom. You're done with the show, and he's walking over there to do the Gatos and Chad show. And every week, he tells you how his fantasy football team did. And every week, you're like, I don't care, Larry. <laughs> I don't care, Larry. <laughs> he's not coming on the show. <laughs> we're we, not giving him air time. Can we just have him outside the glass? He can look in and wave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this game, you're talking about the Bills-Ravens yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. Um, that Ravens defense better tighten up in the back end because their defense is awful. Josh Allen could set a fantasy record for points scored. I'm just you, you, saying. You're just throwing out fantasy records like that. Well, I, I have no idea how you <laughs> give points or what you're going to say about it, Luke. If he has but a I good tell game. You, what? If he has a good game, <laughs> set a fantasy record for points. Baltimore's defense, not what it used to be? Um, Baltimore's defense, dead last in the league in passing yards per game allowed. Wow. Uh, number 30 in the league in passing yards per play allowed. <laughs> you are what you are. You always bring more stats to this segment than I do. I will say this, Buffalo, if you look at their first three games, they have faced the Rams, Titans, and Dolphins. So three teams that you would think, okay, that's going to be tough to start their defense against. Buffalo's defense is still number two in in terms of fantasy scoring, even against that schedule. The Ravens are dead last in the league in total yards per game allowed. And the Buffalo Bills, if they want to run it, they can run it. And throw it, oh yeah, they're going to chuck it. John Harbaugh must hate that stat. We should call him and just tell him, hey, did you know your last 
Like for He's a team that's a team that is built on defense. Yeah, right, maybe you'll pick up the phone like Dan Reeves once uh, did. He probably Google wants. it, my young crunks. Uh, all right, that was your fantasy reality check heading into week four. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back. Are the Panthers better suited for the way this matchup looks on paper than the Cardinals on Sunday? It's not great if that's the case. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, you just heard it right there in the update. Christian McCaffrey, no practice again today, although there's still optimism he'll be able to play on Sunday against the Cardinals. So, Wolf, that's the caveat going into any conversation about this game, because it changes everything. If Christian McCaffrey is playing then Carolina has the focal point of their entire team. If he's not playing, then all bets are kind of off. But let's operate for the purposes of this segment under the assumption that he is going to play, even though he hasn't practiced Wednesday and Thursday, and he has a long history now over the last two years of missing a lot of football games. When he plays, he's dangerous, and considering the weather and considering how Carolina likes to play and the injuries the Cardinals have with the receivers, this feels like a run-against-run sort of game. Yes, there's no doubt about it, man. Um, I'm just assuming Christian McCaffrey is going to play, and if he's going to play Basinonians, the Carolina Panthers, and the way they run the ball is more conducive to playing um, the game that we're going to see under the conditions I think we're going to see. It just, I, I think it's going to be dark. I think it's going to be rainy. And, and I think the, the field turf is going to be soft. Um, they put field turf in last year. <laughs> I did not know that, but they put it into Bank of America Stadium last year. It was the first year it was in. It's always been grass. It's been one of my favorite stadiums because it because was grass. grass. And the, the turf there was so good. I don't know if it was the Bermuda they had in, whatever it was, but man, I loved it. I used to love smelling it. It was so good. But, um, Man, you know what? The Panthers run the ball in a north-south fashion. This is their offense. They attack more in a north-south fashion, where I think the Arizona Cardinals are more east-west, horizontal. I think the Panthers are more vertical. I think the Cardinals are more horizontal. And because of that... I think the Panthers are in a better position right now to win the game. Now, listen, um, does that mean they're going to win the game? Am I picking them to win the game? No, I'm not. But what I am saying is I think the advantage goes to the Carolina Panthers because their offense is more vertical and the Cardinals is more horizontal. Now, if there were a player that you would say, okay, who can who can potentially equalize things for the Cardinals in those sort of conditions— it would be James Conner, wouldn't it? I mean, that's the guy. Yes. And he spoke today, and they asked him, okay, look, James, if what happens if this is a bad weather game? Any weather, man. Any weather. Any weather. But uh, obviously, if, if, if there's winds and, and rain and whatnot, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to run the ball. Um, it's going to be harder to throw that thing. So um, with the conditions, I don't know. Really, I heard it's, it's probably a good chance. I don't know percentage chance of rains, But uh, we just got to be ready, prepared. Um, and even if it is, it turns into, you know, a, a rain game. You know, it's going to be a full team effort with receivers blocking on the outside of me, running hard, everything always starts up on the line, so we're prepared for, for any weather it is. 
he didn't seem too upset to say we're going to have to run the ball more. Yes. No, we're going to have to run the ball more. He's absolutely right. And the Carolina Panthers know that as well as anybody. The Cardinals are going to want to shut down the, the Carolina Panthers' ability to run the ball because they're going to want to force Baker Mayfield to beat him. You want Baker Mayfield to beat the Arizona Cardinals, not their rushing attack. And I think they're probably going to stack up the box. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, on the flip side, you look at it, um, the Carolina Panthers' pass defense, that's the strength of their defense, their pass defense. They have a good secondary, a very good secondary. Uh, Brian Burns as well. They got a decent pass rush. It's not great. They got a decent, but Brian Burns is a pretty good defensive end. Well, they signed every every corner that became available yes. last year, remember? They just went through and they're like, we'll take him and we'll take him and we'll take him. Uh, here's more from James Conner on a quote that you, you pointed out earlier in the week, Wolf. Kyler Murray talking about bad football. And so they asked James Conner about it. Okay, what did he mean about by, by saying bad football. Bad ball is just, you know, not executing. Um, not executing, maybe, you know, some, some penalties, you know, false starts and um, just miscommunication up front or, or however, however it goes, you know, just um, just not our best ball. You know, we're a very talented team and we know that. So uh, anytime we play bad ball, we just got to execute better. I know you can have all the talent, but you need to execute. What he just said right mm-hmm. there is something I'm going to be looking for in this game, Wolf, because it's a topic that Cardinals fans are already hypersensitive to. And it's going to be that much more this week. These are Carolina's games so far this season. 26-24 loss to Cleveland. 19-16 loss to the Giants. 22-14 win over New Orleans. Like They play a lower scoring, closer game. Yes. This game, with for all the reasons you just laid out, too, in addition to all that, Carolina just sort of plays this way in general. This has all the makings. Unless the Cardinals just show up and their offense is suddenly firing on all cylinders, then I don't think Carolina can can hang with them if the Cardinals are just going to put up 30 points like they were doing at this time last year. We haven't seen anything to indicate they're going to do that. So this, to me, feels like a 21-20, to 20, you know, 24-21, 23-19, yes. whatever, yep. some weird low-scoring game where you cannot have delay of game followed by a timeout. Like You're going to need every timeout, and you're going to need to get to the line of scrimmage and be set up and iron out all those details. Details now. Yes, and once again, going back to to Christian McCaffrey, because you brought him up. Um, what is the latest on him? Did you have the latest injury report he, on Christian McCaffrey? He hasn't. He didn't practice again today. Okay, but uh, they are saying there's optimism he's going to play unless there's a setback. See, I think he's going to play. That's what I think. I think he's definitely going to play. If in fact he doesn't play tomorrow, my antenna will be up on that. So no Friday practice, yes. then you're going to be like, okay. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, there, yes, I'm going to I'm going to be speculative as to whether or not he's going to play. If he does, and I would imagine on a limited basis, he is going to practice tomorrow. Then I think that means he is definitely going to play. But their offense is built around getting him the ball, and he's a much better runner of the football between the tackles than most people give him credit for. He's not a big back, and because of that, a lot of people don't look at him as a north-south guy, but he runs in between the tackles very, very well. They run the tackle zone. They use the play action that comes off of it. They get into power personnel groups and then run their version of power, which is the power without the pull, 22 and 23 double, and then they use the play action that comes off of that. 
They run the inside zone. And you guessed it, they use play action that comes off. It all looks the same for the most part. This is their offense. This is what they do. And it's the reason why the Cardinals have to shut the run down. And if that means taking some chances out on the edge with their corners, singling them up, bringing that safety down into the box and having an eight-man front, that's what you got to do. And they will. The exact update from uh, Ian Rappaport about an hour ago says, uh, while Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey was a DNP again with a thigh issue, my understanding is there is still optimism that he plays. He's kept it close to the vest, but barring a setback, he should be okay. So that is, now that I read it, that's not like, oh, he's playing. Right. That's just, there's right. still optimism he could. And I will say this, Wolf, Christian McCaffrey... Uh, everything you just said, 100% true. I remember when he came out of college, people were like, okay, he'll maybe he'll be a good third down back, right? Like a really dangerous receiver out of the backfield. No, yeah. he's, he's legit no. like a running back. Uh, but he has missed a lot of games the last couple of years. And would it shock you if it's just like one of those links? Because they've always been leg issues. They've, they've been hamstring issues, really. Right. If they're just like, you know what? Uh, we're not going to risk it. We'll have him back next week against yeah. whoever they're playing next week because they have done that quite a few times. But the thing is, and fantasy football owners can attest to this, a lot of times it's like, yeah, McCaffrey's supposed to play. We're going to hold him out for eight more weeks until he gets ready. <laughs> so I'll believe McCaffrey, like you said, if he if he practices tomorrow, assume he's going to be out there on Sunday. I don't think it's a given, though, the way, the way his last two years have gone. Um, I'm just making sure that when I tackle him, I'm attacking his thighs. Uh, just totally accidental. Yes. Just coincidence. All right, week four of Bix Picks is underway. Text pick to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize. And that is a 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. I was just there yesterday. You, you'll you'll use that fifty dollars. Just text pick to six twenty six twenty to enter. We come back. How should Suns players handle the DeAndre Ayton situation? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays ninety eight seven FM Arizona's Sports Station. All right, final segment of the show here on this Thursday afternoon. What, three and a half hours away from Bengals-Dolphins tonight? Wrap up, though, with a little bit of uh, basketball. It's interesting, this story, too, Wolf. It feels like anything with DeAndre Ayton is polarizing. DeAndre Ayton is polarizing, even though he's not really a polarizing personality. This story that has come about this week is polarizing because you have the people that think, okay, this is nothing. You guys are just creating something out of thin air. And then you have the other people that are like, panic! And... I would be somewhere more towards the middle of it's definitely a story because DeAndre Ayton feels like it's a story and that's the story. But I don't think it's going to derail this season by any means for a lot of different reasons. But you had an interesting thought during one of the breaks. How are the, the his teammates supposed to handle this? Yeah, you know, that's that really is where the rubber meets the road on this to me. How does it impact everybody else not named DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams? 
Well, there's a lot of candidates that are out there, but I will tell you right now, I think most players should just come out and say, hey, that's between Coach and DeAndre. Whenever they're asked that, and this is the problem, whenever there's a distraction, and Bill Belichick, I learned this from Bill Belichick, Basinonians, he despised distractions. I've said this many, many times over the years, but it was something he demanded from his players. Don't create any distractions and bring them into this locker room. Do not do it. Because they can derail a season when you play on a team sport. Mm -hmm. They can totally derail. I think right now the best thing to do if you're a Phoenix Sun player, you're a teammate of DeAndre Ayton, is just say it's between coach and DA. I'm not going to comment on When anyone asks you that, that's got to be the standard answer right there. And do not deviate in any way, shape, or form from that answer. If I'm Chris Paul and I'm Devin Booker, I'm telling every one of them, any of you guys, right? Any of you guys touch me, I'm, you know, you know, I'm going to go out there and let these guys know. It's not going to be acceptable, man. Do not comment on this. Well, this is Devin Booker's answer from yesterday. Been on top of each other for a long time. I didn't talk to coach much at all this summer either and the times that I did he stressed the fact of getting away and having that feeling of, of missing the game missing your team and, and like you said you know it's a long season we're with each other every day I think it's time to get away from each other um, we're about to spend the next seven months eight months right on top of each other every day I mean we see each other more than we see see our family so I think it's always good to get away get quiet and, you know, remove yourself from, from this industry and lifestyle. See, I don't have a problem with that answer, but I think going forward, it's probably what you're saying of just like, exactly. okay, but I've answered it. He's, I don't need to he's answer He's got to do it. He's got to go on the record. But it's going to get weird, though. I mean, you got to remember, too, like, what if this was New York? <laughs> you know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like, the, oh, yeah. people would just be prying. And, and there, I mean, you do create stories out of thin air. I would say that the media market here is is a little more tame than the craziness of no New York. No doubt about it. So the fact that this is a story, it's a story because DA thinks it's a story. And so if, if it's constantly, like if we're still a week from now, players are getting asked and they're like, no comment. Well, that makes it sound like an even bigger deal. Yeah, and of course, a lot of people have asked me, what kind of impact do you think this might have on the team? Um, it could have a disastrous impact if it gets really nasty. If it does, it could. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't. Think I, don't. I, think, I think it all depends on how does DA respond to this? How does he respond on the court to this? You know, once again, it could be a good cop, bad cop situation. It could be a Monty Williams, just hard coaching when it comes to DeAndre Hayden, and then his teammates just supporting him. It could be that, that simple. And what kind of impact might it have on DA? That, to me, will, will determine whether or not this is working. Because DA will have the impact on the Phoenix Suns. Well, that's that's the other interesting component here is it, it has been over the last few years, okay, Chris Paul's going to get in DA's face, or Jay Crowder's going to get in DA's face, or JaVale McGee may have to, or Devin Booker may have did. to pull him. And they did. They absolutely did. And I'm sure Chris Paul still will. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure if, if DA goes one way when he's supposed to go a different way in the third game of the season, Chris Paul's going to let him know about it because that's Chris Paul and that's who he is and he's not going to be able to help himself. But it is a different dynamic right now, and I, I will grant you it could change in the next it, all of this could change in 24 hours but right now it's what you just said of monty williams is like 
If you have a problem, you and I are dealing with it. Your teammates have their own jobs to do. It's no. not They don't have to get you fired up for a game anymore. They don't have to direct you here. I mean, you do as a teammate, but you're not going to get any extra attention. The coaching will come from the coach. That's what this seems like. But I will say it with the caveat of... This may all just get fixed in a day. I don't think it's unfixable. I don't. I definitely don't think it's going to derail their season because if it somehow goes I, how south, does it, how does it get fixed in a day? Those I two mean, could just talk. What, okay, so they talk, and suddenly, what is fixed? Not just talk <laughs> about like, hey, run this, this play and practice. Like they got to talk it out. That shouldn't take more than 10 minutes, but maybe, like you keep saying, maybe Monty doesn't want to talk it out. Maybe there's no more of that. Maybe let's go out there and play. The Wouldn't only way you be interested? I, I see, if I were Monty Williams right now and I were James Jones, I'd be wildly interested just to see how it does impact him on the court. Yeah, yeah that's, what that's what I'm I saying. That's what I'm saying. It might be, not change. I would be really interested. Now, let's not be hasty. Yeah, let's just let's see not be hasty here. Let's just see what we get out of him. And, and you know, <laughs> I, even if this was not a master plan, you'd be saying to yourself, hey, hey, James, I've been thinking about this, man. What do you say we go ahead and just kind of see what happens here with D.A.? Well, that, that, I mean, you if, know, I mean, if it is what you've been saying, that's what this is, right? Because they obviously didn't play anything in Game 7 last year. Maybe at some <laughs> point in the offseason, Monty was like, you know what? Let's see how this plays out. Yeah. I, I, you'd be curious just to see what it would do. Because, again, I think they've tried a lot of different things. And uh, I'm a DA fan, man. You, you have to know that. I know we both are. We, we love the guy. Personality. His personality is unbelievable. I love him. I love the fact he's coachable. Um, I do think he's sincere in a lot of the stuff that he says and believes. You just got to understand that that switch has got to go on. And a lot of times, for you to take that chip on your shoulder and bury it in your heart, something drastic has to happen. I know this because it happened in my own life to me. When I was an 18-year-old kid and my dad was dying of leukemia, suddenly that chip on my shoulder was buried in my heart. And it changed my entire Context and how I thought and how I pursued the game of football. And you know what? Maybe something so downright dastardly as Monty Williams not wanting to talk to you and talk it out, maybe that will get his attention and bury that chip in the heart. Well, we're going to find out. The Adelaide 36ers don't know what they're in for on Sunday. <laughs> All right, thanks to Aaron Maloney and Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.